0: This is Women Crush Wednesdays from New York Women in Film and Television. We cover all facets of women working in entertainment and media, along with highlighting accomplishments of our members and previewing upcoming events.
1: Welcome to another episode of Women Crush Wednesdays from NyWith. I am
0: Giovanna Aguilar. And I am Janine McGoldrick, and we are so excited to be with you today and to highlight a few upcoming programs that we think you're going to be interested in. First, the fourth annual NYWIF Summit is happening this week, beginning Wednesday, June 21st through Friday, June 23rd at the Paley Center. This three-day program consists of keynote speakers, panels, film screenings, and will bring together some of the most unique and diverse voices of women working in the industry to establish forward-moving strategies and to create change and mobilize support and leadership for our future. Okay,
1: so the three-day program is titled the NYWITH Creative Workforce STEM Summit. What it does is that it unites innovators in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, STEM, with thought leaders in film, television, and media, multimedia to discuss the latest in technological achievements, societal challenges, and creative solutions that will allow us to work together to adapt, evolve, and thrive in our rapidly changing world. Now, the summit is made possible with funds provided by the National Science Foundation. And in order to make the incredible lineup of innovative leaders accessible to the wider community, we are excited to announce the attendance will be, okay, you ready? Complimentary. Free. Yay! You will need to register to attend, so go to nywith.org. There is a link in the show notes. So something that's
0: also happening this week, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago that the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment is host live webinars to provide information about available resources to support New Yorkers working in the entertainment and ancillary businesses during the ongoing writer strike. So they had one for workers a few weeks ago. And on June 21st, they're going to be focusing on a webinar for small businesses. And then on June 27th, Second is part two of their webinar for workers who are impacted. A link can be found in our show notes uh, to the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment page, which is at nyc.gov. Check that out for anybody. uh, We know that the strike is still going on and a lot of shows are still shutting down and anything that can be done to help Our New York workforce during this time is amazing, and they have a lot of great resources on their website.
1: Isn't that amazing? There's some really great things happening in New York this week. Very exciting. So one of our favorite things to do on this podcast is to highlight our wonderful membership. NYWIF has such a great pool of talent, and this week in our Meet a Member segment, Cassandra Seidenfeld talks to Adriana Davis.
2: Hello, awesome NYWIFT community. It's time for a Meet a Member segment interview. And wow, do I have a treat for you today. I am blessed, humbled, and fortunate to be here with our fierce NYWIFT member, Adriana Davis. Adriana is a New York State filmmaker, director, producer, editor, writer, voiceover, artist, and coach. She has worked in film, television, and radio since 1991 and is the founder of D Squared Media, a full-service production company based in New York City. She assets her production company in a way to give back to the New York City and area film community, which we are grateful, especially for female filmmakers and
3: all. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you, Cassandra, and big shout-out to the NYWIF community. I'm so pleased to be a member of for quite a few years now. So many wonderful people I've met through uh, uh, Real talented and interesting filmmakers so I'm pleased to be here today to um, tell a little bit about uh, me (laughs) and the work that I
2: fantastic we are so excited that you could join us I know that in your latest short documentary dancing without steps the art of uh, the art of improvisation with Margaret Beals, it has been accepted and awarded to over 15 festivals worldwide we're up Uh, to 20 Oh, my God, that's amazing. Fantastic. Could you
3: tell us a little bit about Thank the you. film? Dancing Without Steps has very typical type of life journey for documentaries, as, as the other filmmakers out there in the audience will uh, attest to. It takes a long time. <laughs> and they often start as one thing and become and morph into something else, or grow, I should say, actually, and uh, mm-hmm. develop. So Dancing Without Steps, I was brought in back in twenty. 14, 15, to be the editor um, on a series of salons about improvisational dance with Margaret Beals, who is a pioneer in the dance world, uh, was very active in the 1960s in the Greenwich Village club scene and coffeehouse scene, doing spoken word as well as dance performances, and all improvisational. Uh, audience would yell out a term, uh, like a word, like Halloween or something, and she would create a dance or um, uh, or some sort of even spoken word pre- uh, performance. So that she worked with the likes of um, uh, Richard Pryor and so many of the others in that in that scene there in the 1960s. Uh, but dance was always her primary, and she created lots of different performances to poetry, like Edna St. Vincent Millay poetry, and others where she would just create, again, improvisationally. So I was brought on to just edit um, a couple of episodes where she'd talk about the techniques and a little bit about her career, but also to try to encourage young uh, artists in varied uh, disciplines, be it music, poetry, painting, Uh, It could be anything, comedy, uh, to encourage them to utilize improvisational techniques and kind of make that living in the moment sort of the base of their work. So that flash forward to (laughs) 2022. I had made a rough cut and turned it in to uh, Margaret and never heard another thing for about three or four years. And then she found it one day, played it. Loved the rough cut, little 15-minute piece, and we decided to work on it for another three years and really develop it further into the 25-minute film that it is now. And we uh, just had our premiere, world premiere at the New Jersey International Film Festival on June 10th, where we had a really good turnout for the audience, and we also received an award. Uh, we were uh, mentioned as an honorable honorable mention to the festival. We received that award. So. I was really pleased with that, and the audience seemed to like it. In fact, the main comment was during the Q&A was, why isn't it longer? That's always (laughs) a good thing. It is an
2: amazing film. I hope everyone has the opportunity to see it. It is absolutely beautiful and just so inspiring.
3: Um, I've never been a fan of the uh, notion, write what you know. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. the rule of thumb. I think, actually, in all my film projects over the 28 years I've been Uh, producing, directing, and editing, um, and writing, all of them have been about topics I didn't know much about. I've produced a seven film series of films about um, Iraq's Jewish community. I did not know a lot about that culture and community when I began, but over 20, over 25 years, I've been working on that series, and, you know, it really taught me not just the history of Community, but it taught me about the culture, and that absolutely informs the editing and informs the the way you produce a, a film. Uh, I also produced a narrative film um, starring Rita Moreno uh, called uh, Play It By Ear, and I had not done a narrative film before. Um, I produced, I didn't edit that one, but I had not produced a narrative film, and it was really uh, a, a, an education into that. But I'm not, I'm not intimidated by learning new things. That's why I've, I've done this business all these years. I am here to learn and to grow.
2: Well, I absolutely concur. would love to talk to you forever. And I know our audience mm-hmm. would love to listen, but we have to wrap up the show just a little bit. And I wanted to say, is there any special message you want to give to our community and, or anything you want to share that you haven't shared to leave us a lasting thought of inspiration or, or, or any feedback?
3: putting on my brief brevity hat, yes, <laughs> I would like to say many things, but I mostly would say that we should not be reticent as a community, especially women filmmakers, to screen our films, and those that are even in progress. We, I started a program at another women's film group way back when, uh, in the 90s, uh, and it was called, I called it Show and Grow, because you really, we need to not be worried about feedback, it's vital. I teach my voice acting students the same thing. It doesn't matter how we hear our voice. It's how the audience feels uh, or the listener when your uh, voice is played to them, what you're saying. Have you created an emotion for them? Same thing applies to filmmaking and, and in the visual arts. You, we can. Women, I think, can be especially affected by criticism. I know I have. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it, especially in an early screening of something that you know isn't done yet, but those notes of improvement is what I call them. I don't call them criticism. Those notes of improvement can really help you streamline your work. It can inform you. It can take you to places that you didn't know you could go with the film. Because mm-hmm. that, that feedback of opinion is, is really vital. Not everybody's opinion is going to be a, a, a relevant for you or a good one. But I found 9 out of 10 that, that I've always found it helpful to get the opinions and as I'm going along. You have to develop a thick skin. But I, I encourage people to really, all that hard work you've put in can be even more expanded when you really get some feedback from your audience, because after all, that's who we create for us in the end, is our audience.
2: Oh, my God. You're so freaking um, inspirational and beautiful and uplifting and encouraging and positive and brilliant and a beautiful filmmaker. I don't want to end this this moment with you, but could you also please share a couple of your social media links with our audience?
3: First off, for those wanting to know about future screenings of Dancing Without Steps, it's simple, dancingwithoutsteps.com, and there's all kinds of links up there to reviews that we've had and and for future screenings. Um, My social media link is on Twitter. I'm Adriana, that's with one N, Adriana NYC, and my company uh, on Twitter is DSQRD, D-squared, but without all spelled out, D-S-Q-R-D, Media, NYC. And on Facebook, um, you can find D-squared Media as well, D-squared Media, NYC. And uh, my personal one is um, Adriana's Voice with an apostrophe S, Adriana's Voice on um, on Facebook. And on LinkedIn, it's Davis Adriana. Again, with all, I'm all with one N. Oh, Instagram um, yeah I'm there to e uh, squared media the number two, one,
2: two. I just have to say Adriana, it has been an absolute blessing and and just so fantastic to connect with you here and spend this time you are phenomenal uh, we wish you and Margaret the best with your amazing film and everything that you do in the future I hope you can join us again we'd love to have you and I wanted to say to our NYWIS community listeners members Have an amazing, magical, productive, successful, and
3: super happy day. Thank you, Cassandra. And thank you, Nylist, for this opportunity. And keep doing the great programs you're doing. Look forward to meeting all of you one of these days at a program.
0: Thanks, Cassandra and Adriana, for that great conversation. I definitely want to check out her film, Dancing Without Steps. Uh, I love that whole idea of improv and innovation on the spot. And so much of what we do in our industry is like that. So I'm sure people will find that very inspiring. So lately, our country has been in a lot of turmoil over a lot of individual rights and where we don't try to get too political on this podcast, we usually do kind of call out what's happening and how it affects us uh, within our industry. Discussions, everything from our right to decide what we read and learn to who we love. I mean, it's Pride Month right now. And LGBTQ rights are are being dismantled in different states. And, of course, you know, how we make choices about our own bodies.
1: Well, there is this latest thriller horror film on Hulu, Clock, that touches on one of these themes, the right to choose motherhood. It follows a woman who enrolls in a clinical trial to try and fix her seemingly broken biological clock after friends, family, family, and society pressure her to have children. In a very timely conversation, Tammy Reese talks with the film's writer-director Alexis Jacknow and editor Alexandra Amick.
4: Hello everyone, I'm Tammy Reese. Today we have Alexandra and Alexa from Clocks, which premiered on Hulu in April. And I'm so excited to talk with you both today as a mother and a horror fan. I have to know, how did this short film go into your decision, Alexis, to become your debut feature length film? Yeah, so I was working with uh,
5: a company uh, at Hulu that was kind of making these shorts and then they had like a slate of features come out of that that were like feeding the shorts into that pipeline. And so they were hearing pitches on, uh, you know, which which shorts they wanted to turn into features. And uh, I pitched Clock to them and, and that's how we got there.
4: Alexandra, how did you come involved with the film as the editor? Um, I was reached out to by one of the
6: producers, Leal, and I. Uh, he sent me the script and I read the script and thought, this is wild. Um, I love it. Um, and I got to meet the woman who wrote it. Um, and uh, it's it's history from there.
4: Now, I thought this was very unique and bold. Ella's character, at first she didn't want kids and then she wanted to go through arm's length to become a mom and the results didn't really work out for her. Um, For those who have not seen the film yet, what can they brace themselves for, Alexis? I think they can brace themselves for a conversation
5: about motherhood and all of the gray areas and, you know, that things aren't so black and white, you know, this idea that, you know, Oh, you're a woman, you're meant to be a mother, or, you know, there's all this like pressure on women to, to think that like, that's our purpose, that's our job. And I think it's really so much more complicated than that for a lot of women out there. And so it's really just, you know, an exploration of those themes and, you know, reproductive rights. Roe was overturned during the making of this movie. So it's really taken on a life that I didn't even anticipate. Um, and it, there's just new conversation around it. So I think that that really informs the viewing of it at this point when looked at through the lens of Roe. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a
4: wild ride about uh, womanhood and otherness. I agree for sure. Alexandra, I understand you became pregnant during the filming process. Was it emotional for you to be the editor um, while going through this powerful story? What was the personal and professional experience like for you?
6: Right when I was sent the script, I was just in that kind of journey, personal journey of deciding that I did want to have kids, but I 100% related to all of the fears that Ella goes through in in the film. And so uh, it felt very true to my own experience even though i did get pregnant and did decide to have a baby but you know i spent the better part of five six months in the head of a woman who definitely does not want to have babies uh should not have children because she does not want them and so to then get pregnant and think all of her fears are legitimate, <laughs> was, you know, and, and and that I shared was intense, was a lot. I was excited and also nervous and scared and and all of that. And but, you know, I think going through pregnancy after working on this film really just solidified my personal stance that anyone who is pregnant should choose that for themselves. And that's it. Like it is not all lovely Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. It is painful. It is emotional. It, you know, it's expensive. Um, And so, you know, it, it made me proud, proud even prouder to work on something like clock because it, it, it just, it speaks to exactly what it is. And, you know, I had a daughter and I'm, you know, she's going to have to be a lot older to watch this movie, but, you know, I, I'm proud to have worked on something that says you get to choose how you want to move forward in life. And, and, and that I support that.
5: Yeah. And Tammy, you're getting us on a real a real good day here because I don't know if you know this but I am I am currently eight months pregnant so Congratulations. <laughs> thank you so so Alex and I both conceived while making this horror film about not wanting children and we're like Alex is like one month postpartum right now I'm eight months we're both like crazy women right now and I we were texting right before this interview and I and I was just like okay like Alex is like, time to time to what did you say? Like time to get out the shovel and bury our emotions so we can go close <laughs> this movie. And I was like, I was like, you know what? What if we just like leave the shovel in the dirt for this one? You know, I was like, this is a women's podcast, this is a women's yes. publication. Like, why don't we just go in and like be really honest and come in with like this burn it to the ground energy? And she was like. Hell yeah. So that's where you're getting us today, Tammy.
4: (laughs) I love it. The authenticity is, is everything for us for sure. In the film, Ella beats a clock in her mind because I don't want to give it away, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Was that intentional in the script to the frustration from the biological clock to actually taking your anger out on the actual grandfather clock? Like, was there like a hidden message within that motion, um, that scene? Yeah,
5: I mean, I I think it's both literal and figurative for her there. And one of my favorite things that Alex brought um to the edit, and I you know it's hard to talk about it without giving spoilers, but um mm-hmm. When we revisit that moment with her destroying the clock, um Alex really was able to weave in um another character in a way that I hadn't imagined uh, being woven in visually to that edit. And I just always thought that that really elevated that that moment,
4: yeah, it blew me away <laughs> to figure out the how it really was. And oh my gosh, i uh, I highly just recommend this film for sure. Um, From your standpoint, as an editor, as a writer, director, do you feel like women are starting to be more prominent in the horror genre? Or do we still have a long way to go? Uh, Do you want to take that, Alexis? (laughs) I
5: I mean, I see a lot of women's voices being elevated in the horror genre right now. Um, I think it's a, for whatever reason, I think it's an entry point that we're allowed in the industry. I know that I never personally saw myself making horror films, but... I did see that the industry was allowing women in, in that, in that way. Um, and, and so I was happy to step into that lane. Alex, what do you, what do you think?
6: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think, um, I think horror is a great genre, but it is where there, you are allowed to discuss taboo subjects and you know it 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 is about fear it is about things that are quote unquote kept in the dark and that's what women's stories unfortunately are they are taboo they are other and so i think that um i think that it is a great genre to explore that and i think but that's why it's an entry point for a lot of women unfortunately And it may mean, and and like, not that I don't enjoy making horror movies, they are really fun to work on. But I think that that's kind of why we're seeing a lot more women in that space.
4: I love what you both are saying. And, you know, from the outside looking in for people who may not really know about the horror genre, they'll assume it's just ghouls and goblins and monsters and ghosts and you no, know, it's a universal wave of so many topics and pregnancy is can be a horrific topic for many people. Um so touching on that is very bold and very unique and uh just a super creative story that you told. Um Alexa, what would you like to say to your cast and crew who's been on this journey with you? Oh man, it will everybody who worked on
5: this movie with me, I was so brave to do so because it, it it does touch on really sensitive themes like, you know, reproductive rights and Jewish themes and the Holocaust. And so I think everybody that signed up to work on this movie um was really brave. And I was grateful for their trust as a first-time filmmaker. And everybody just did like such a fantastic job. Um, and even more so, I'd like to thank them for making this with me during a time when when Roe was being overturned. I mean, we, oh God, the timing was insane. We shot um, on our last day of principal photography was the day the Supreme Court opinion leaked. And I showed up to the safety meeting that day and just like burst into tears and like thanked everybody for helping me make a movie about women's rights and then 2 months later we shot the cold open back in LA and that was the day that Roe was overturned and so it was just so insane that I, you know I sat on my couch that morning watching the news like all day and just You know, on the phone with friends and and trying to process all of this. And then we had to go do this overnight in a scene in which a woman literally rips something out of her body because she doesn't want to choose motherhood. And I, I got to that set that night and again, had to say to the crew and the cast, like, thank you so much for doing this with me by telling this story, we're, we're talking about the problem, we're talking about the issues, and you should feel really proud that you're participating in that. So, yeah, it was it was brave and bold for anybody that worked on this movie, and I thank them
4: from the bottom of my heart. That's very beautiful and powerful. Alexandra, I'll ask you from an editor's standpoint, for those who may aspire to edit a film one day, for me, it, sometimes it's sometimes hard just to edit a video for Instagram. I can't imagine the hard work that goes behind the scenes to edit a, a full length film. What goes into it? And what are you most proud of from your experience? I mean, a lot
6: goes into it. Um,
4: <laughs> um, an editor is
6: the, a storyteller and a mood setter. And you know, I think the balance, especially, in in genre like horror is how do we ground every single scene in our character in the emotion and also maintain pace and tone and you know and that's it's very difficult to do and um but you know i think it it depends on um where it started in the script it depends on what you're getting from set in the footage luckily Uh, both very strong places for me, you know, Uh, when I I do what's called an assembly cut, that's just my, like, fast and dirty, like, assembly of the whole movie, and sometimes those are a complete mess, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, but this one, you know, it had a long way to go, but you watched it, and you knew that this was a strong movie already, and so, from that point, you just work. I worked every day with Alexis from there on um, just, you know, honing in on the most important emotions for for Ella. And then and then after that, you know, you view it as a wide picture of pacing and tone and pushing pushing the tone weirder and deeper and darker as Ella gets weirder and deeper and darker. and. and and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a—it's just a long process that you just have to trust and work very closely with the director.
4: You all did just an amazing job. I'm like busting through the seams to be <laughs> speaking with you both today because I truly love the film. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll leave it with, why would you encourage audiences to see this film? Uh, I mean, look,
5: hopefully it's fun in addition to being you know exploring difficult topics like that's what i like about horror is that you know like chocolate coating makes it go down easier you're hiding the vegetables like hopefully it's still like a fun wild unexpected ride with twists <laughs> yeah. and turns and you know i mean i i think this movie you know, for me leans more psychological thriller, you know, than, than pure, you know, horror as in like slasher and dead bodies everywhere. But I mean, it, it should still be like entertaining. I hope that it's still entertaining for people, um, while touching on these, these subjects.
6: Yeah. And I'll say that I hope that people watch it and feel seen no matter where they are on the spectrum of, of wanting or not wanting kids, I think that that people can see their experience on screen. And that I hope it inspires them to confidently choose their choice and stick with it and move forward in their life on their own terms.
5: Yeah. And like I said earlier to piggyback off that, it's, you know, it's not just for women about women. I mean, it's really anyone who's ever felt other in this society that always wants you to conform to societal norms, you know. Um, I think think anybody who's ever felt other, which is so many of us, I think they'll identify with this movie.
4: Thank you both again. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Alexis. Congratulations. Everyone watch Clock on Hulu. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Wow.
0: Thank you all for that uh, great conversation. I had seen this film before and now I I love it even more based on this conversation. And it really spoke to me as someone who, much like this character in the film, never really had a biological block to have children. When I grew up, I assumed I would have kids because that's what I saw other people do. But then as I got older and some of my friends started having children, I never had that motherhood gene or that yearning and decided, I didn't want to have kids. And a lot of what the people say to her in this film, people have said to me. And I just love the perspective that she took when writing and directing this. And seeing it through this kind of horror lens just made it so interesting in the way she examines it. And I don't want to say too much for those who haven't seen it, but it's really just just so thought-provoking
1: I, I really loved it well I love the conversation that she had with Tammy I and the points that you make about motherhood which is interesting because one of the things I'm not a mom either I really never really wanted kids but I do remember a time I think I was my early 40s at that time and a friend was like well if you're gonna have one have one now so I thought if, about it mm-hmm. for a little bit just thinking in the in the event of but i you know, I wanted if I were going to have kids, it was going to be someone married. You know, husband. I I just didn't want to have a kid just to, for the sake of having a child. So I am curious about this film. I love the interview. I love how they talk about that. One of you, know, I don't know if it was Alexis or Alexandra that one of them said about it's not all lovely like an in Instagram. Mm-hmm. Posts you know, you see these Instagram posts and everyone's so happy and joyful and there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of challenges rearing kids and especially now with everything that's going on with social media and bullying and all of that. But I think it's um, it's definitely on my to-do list for this coming weekend. And yeah, excited to see it. And Tammy did a great job. It's also interesting to hear the perspective of the editor, Alexandra Amick, and how she assembled and, the, you know, her own workflow process in editing the film.
0: Mm -hmm. And I loved how both of them uh, are mothers. One is actually, as she said, you know, in the process of uh, a few months away from giving birth, but yet she could still see the other side and the other perspective of those who don't want it and honors that society and government as a whole needs to do that needs to look at each individual person and not force them into motherhood if that's not something that they want or are capable of doing and who knows that best, but that person.
1: Right. Right. Hopefully people become more mindful of how they start those conversations or engage other women in them. Right. So, Hey, Janine, besides clocks, what else do you recommend?
0: So going back to, you know, the STEM focus of things and technology, AI and people talking about chat GPT, especially during the writer's strike A few weeks ago, I recommended Mrs. Davis, which dealt directly with that theme. Well, I happen to watch two other shows that also deal with this, so maybe I'm kind of in this AI rabbit hole for now, but the first is another Hulu title called The Class of 09, it's airs its final episode this Friday. It's a limited series about a group of FBI agents who all graduated in the same class in 2009. And years later, they find themselves battling against uh, AI crime-fighting creation, which which they helped create and now has gotten out of control. And it's a great cast. It oscillates between past, present, and future, which gets a little confusing, but I think it's still worth sticking with it. Just as long as you're not like on your phone or doing it, other things, you know, it's one that you really have to pay attention to. And the next is the really fabulous return of Black Mirror, which after I think three or four year absence really has not lost its touch. I binged on it in one day. This season is just as good as previous seasons, the compilation of their stories, really provide unique views about technology and how it affects our lives, usually in negative ways. And there's playful episodes, like the first one um, called Jonah's Awful. And then there's really serious ones, which really hit me, um, called Beyond the Sea, uh, which I felt was like a literal gut punch after I watched it. Have you? I know you watched the first one. Have you seen all of them?
1: No, I haven't. I just saw Jonah's Awful. awful. comment on "Join us off because it was so brilliantly done and i didn't realize there had been such a long time between the last episode yeah. of- of- and this one. First of all sama hyatt wow i've okay so the whole thing it weaves all of these things are happening around us deep fake mm-hmm. and copyrighted material what happens so when you see it folks it's like this crazy uh, Okay, so it's loosely based on someone in the show, that someone in the show, it's like who like what is reality? It's
0: yeah. very meta. And I hate right. using that word because it's yeah, very so meta overused, but, it, but... It, right,
1: right, but it it got me thinking because now there's a whole thing like, like a couple of weeks ago the um, the Senate had a hearing on AI and everyone's up in arms including the scientists that are behind the big data and all of this stuff that is happening because you just don't know we have bad actors, right? So this episode resonated with me as a writer, as you know, obviously for all of us listening who are filmmakers and media professionals, like at what point can we use chat GPT or AI? At what point does it become its own copyright? How does it affect our own copyright? You know, derivative forms. So that's one, and then deep fakes, where people, there are applications now that can take our voices and replicate it to the to the to the extent that our friends wouldn't know the difference mm-hmm. uh, so so that's all that and then um it's just so funny to see Salma Hayek in a role that I never would have thought seeing to see her and it was brilliantly done I look forward to the other
0: episodes so so what else do you have on your list I don't, would you recommend that we put on our list what do I recommend oh my god how dare I Tammy would be screaming at me right now oh I know what you're gonna say yes <laughs> City,
1: that city screen. Uh, the that city premiere was last night, and then now we have Maggie, and we have you know oh got all these characters. Negan. Yeah, uh, Negan. Yes, Negan from The Walking Dead, and it's really cool to see that in New York. And one of the lines is really funny because they go into like you know what's New York like with all of these zombies, and there are a whole bunch of people in suits, you know, and well, you know that's what. New York City. You think of corporate and people leaving their work. What it must have been like at that moment of apocalypse during the Wall. You know, The Walking Dead's apocalypse for the zombies. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited that uh, living in New Jersey, there are a whole bunch of productions that are coming to town, and I'm really optimistic of what that might mean for you and I and all all of our listeners who are in the space of work content generation here in New York and in New Jersey. So, um, so, of course, I would say a dead city. So, with that recommendation, listeners, do you have a recommendation, an accomplishment, or a story that you'd like to share with us? Would you like to be featured on an upcoming episode or have a segment idea? Well, we would love to hear from you. Email us at communi- communications at nywift.org.
0: Also, be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then leave a review as it helps others find their way to us. And be sure to check out nywiff.org for all of the latest news, blog posts, and other events from New York Women in Film and Television.
1: Thank you all for joining us today. We will be back after the holiday. Until we meet again, keep on crushing it.